0: Levi Brackman here with Truths, Jewish Wisdom for today. Thank you so much for joining. This is a special New Year edition, Rosh Hashanah edition. This weekend is Rosh Hashanah, and we welcome in Tovshin Peidalat, or 5783 of the Hebrew calendar. Given that it is Rosh Hashanah coming up, I thought that I would talk about something related to the Kabbalah and Rosh Hashanah. And as I've been studying and researching for this series of the podcast on Lurianic Kabbalah, I've spent quite a bit of time with Rabbi Chaim Vital's books. Rabbi Chaim Vital was a 15th century Kabbalist. He was the primary student of the Arizal of Rabbi Isaac Luria, and he wrote down most of Lurianic Kabbalah as we know it today, most of the teachings that he learned from his master and teacher, Rabbi Isaac Luria. He's most well-known for his book called The Eitz Chaim, or The Tree of Life, which expounds upon the teachings of the Kabbalah. There is another book which is less well-known, and it is called Derach Chaim, which means The Way of Life, and it was also written by Rabbi Chaim Vital, and it is a really a very small volume, I have it here, and it is all about tshuva, or repentance. Now, given that Rosh Hashanah and the month of Elul and Yom Kippur, which is coming up, is all about teshuva or tshuva, repentance and returning to God and making amends, I thought that I would do an overview of this book called Der Achayim, The Way of Life from Rabbi Chaim Vital. So let's dive into this. But before we do, let me just remind you, if you like this podcast, wherever you listen to it, subscribe, like it, Leave a review, leave a comment, let other people know about it. So if you like this podcast, please do something which will allow other people to find it as well. Feel free also to email me, get in touch with me, and let me know what you think. Now we got that out of the way, let's jump into Der the book of the way of life. And... He calls it the way of life because his name is Chaim, Chaim Vital, and therefore he that's a play on the way of life, to live a life, and also it's his name. Let's talk about what tshuva is. Tshuva means returning or repentance, returning to God. If it's far away from God, then what one will do is one will go through this process called tshuva and become a penitent and return to God. That's broad strokes what it is. Now, this book is a really very deeply enchanted book. It gives you a sense and a perspective on the mindset and the thought patterns of Reb Chaim Vital, how he saw his life and also how he saw death and also in eschatological terms, what happens after one dies. And then there's also a part of this book which is deeply psychological. It talks about the human psyche, and it talks about the different instincts that we have within the human being, and I think it is deeply insightful in many levels. There is the obviously the religious aspect to it, and the Kabbalistic aspect to it, and the deeply enchanted aspect to it, but then there are very practical ideas that I think should be relevant to anybody, and one should think about these ideas. I'm not suggesting that these are the facts of the way humans work, but he definitely offers some suggestions and food for thought about how we work and how we can improve ourselves, how we can become more morally refined, how can we become better people. In all, I think this is a worthy book to read and also a worthy book to understand and to take on as something that might add value to our lives and help us grow as human beings. So let's start off by talking about Rabbi Chaim Vital's ideas with regards to the human psyche. Now, he's obviously very deeply influenced by the Kabbalah and deeply influenced by rabbinic literature in general. You find in rabbinic literature a lot about this concept of the Yetzir Hara and Yetzir Hatov, the evil inclination and the positive inclination. Now the evil inclination is this thing which, according to rabbinic literature, and Chaim Vital talks about here. It is this inclination that one's born with. One is born with an inclination to sin. Where does that come from? According to Reb Chaim Vital, that came from Adam. Adam, in the Garden of Eden, he sinned. He was enticed by the snake to eat from the tree of knowledge, although God had told him that he should not eat from the fruits of that tree. Nonetheless. He ate from that tree, and because of that, he was, in the end, thrown out of the Garden of Eden. But the idea here is that he sinned. And what happened was that you had this snake, which was outside of the human being, which was constantly talking to the human, trying to get him to sin. And then once the snake got a foothold on the person, that snake came inside the person and now we have this inclination, which is constantly with us and we're born with, which is constantly trying to entice and entrap us into sinning and into acting in a way in which is not in line with our best self and also to act in a manner which is immoral. That is what the Gate Sahara does. There is also, though, a positive inclination. That positive inclination, according to Vital, only enters the human body when a for a man when he reaches the age of 13. And at that point, the person then gets this positive inclination, which is going to help him. So the positive inclination is trying to influence the person to do good. So now once the person becomes 13 or 12 as a girl, although it doesn't talk about girls in this book at all, it's not mentioned when the girl actually gets her positive inclination. It's assumed that she gets it at the age of 12 by her bus mitzvah and a boy by his bar mitzvah. But the idea here is that this positive inclination also comes into the body and tries to influence the person to do good. Now, the person themselves, the individual sits in the middle and he, the person has this ability to choose whether to listen to the evil inclination or whether to listen to the positive inclination. Either he's going to allow himself to be influenced by the Aidsat the evil inclination, or by the eight Tov, the positive inclination. Inherent in that is the idea that the human has agency and can decide to choose between either of these influences and to either do good or to sin, either to act morally or to act immorally. Inherent in this idea, again, is that humans have agency. We can choose. But within that, we have these two influences which are pulling us in two different directions. So that is one very interesting concept that we have, from Rabbi Chaim Vital, that we have agency to choose between these different influences. The other idea here is that the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, is very cunning and constantly will try the whole time to entice us and to seduce us into sins. And the only way to overcome that is to actually smash it and that's the word he uses, Smash the head of the thought are the words he uses from the very beginning. So as soon as that evil inclination starts to rear its head and talk to one and give one thoughts of how to sin, the first thing you need to do is act violently towards it and smash its head and not think about those thoughts, destroy those thoughts, because if you do, those thoughts will continue on and will get sucked into it and eventually one will sin. So his advice is, Do not listen to it. Smash its head immediately, and that way you can overcome it. The next question is, how do I know which is the evil path and which is the positive path? How do I know which one is the positive influence and which one is the negative influence? Chaim Vital has an answer to this one as well. It's in the Torah. The Torah and its associated rabbinic texts in the Talmud, they have all the answers of what you should do. In any given situation, you need to know, what to do and the answers are going to be found in rabbinic literature in the torah and that's how the answers of how to behave if you haven't studied that torah you won't know what to do and therefore you'll end up rudderless you won't be able to choose you won't have the, the training to be able to decide whether you're following the good inclination or the evil inclination, and you'll be rudderless. So therefore, he says that it's incumbent upon everyone to study the Torah, because by studying the Torah, now you've got the framework to which to make the decisions about whether what you're doing is following the Yitzha Tov or you, what you're doing is following the Yitzha Hara. So really fascinating. Without the Torah, according to Chaim Vital, you're completely rudderless. You don't know how to behave, and you won't know whether you're choosing the positive or the negative inclination. The other part of studying the Torah, he has this fascinating concept about heaven and hell, and it's very vivid. So when one dies, according to him, you have to get from earth all the way to heaven, and there's this massive chasm you have to get through. And that is a very challenging chasm. Now, in front of you are lots and lots of different pathways. And if you've done really well, then there's a pathway which will lead you to heaven. But that pathway which leads you to heaven is a very dark pathway. And it's very windy. So you're going to have to find your way through this pathway. So there's no automatically you get straight to heaven. No. The soul has all these different paths it can go through. And one of them is a path which the righteous go through and can lead you directly to heaven. But if it's too dark and you don't have any flashlight, there's no way to get to that heaven. So you could have been righteous, you could have done everything right, but if you don't have the tools to navigate this pathway, you're bang out of luck, you're in trouble. What is the light that you need? That's the torah Ur. it says. The Torah is a light. Kiner mitzvah vtorah Ur. And he goes into this whole explanation that the mitzvah is the nair, is like the candle, and the Torah is the light, so you need the Torah and the mitzvot, and together that comes as your candle to be able to make your way through this very dark and windy pathway to eventually get to heaven. So, without Torah and mitzvahs, you could have been righteous, but if you don't have Torah and mitzvahs, you're still not going to get there. Now, if you have sinned, however, there's a very nasty hell waiting for you. And he talks about these different pathways. And in front of one of these pathways is this massive dog and this dog, which can rip you apart and all these nasty things that can happen to you in hell. And there are some people who go to hell for, according to him for uh, 12 months. And at the end of those 12 months, you, your soul just evaporates and is, is used as dust for the righteous. There's a a pretty, in-depth description in this book of Heaven and Hell. I know in other places it's more in-depth and more descriptive, but there is one here. And to go through the path of life, if you like, the path of life, to reach the path of life, you need to know what is a sin and then what is a good deed, how to navigate the evil inclination and the positive inclination, so that when you die, you're able to go through the path of life and not to the path of death and damnation. So that is one of the reasons why it's called Dera as well. So this idea of now I know that I've got this evil inclination, I've got no, I've got this positive inclination, I've studied the Torah, which now tells me how to choose. And when I do that and I choose right, at the end of the, everything, I will then be able to go to heaven. That's one of his fundamental ideas in this book. One of the other ideas found in this book is how does one actually... Gain forgiveness. How does one actually repent? So to actually gain forgiveness from God, there are a number of different things, including suffering. Some sins, according to Rabbi Chaim Vital, require suffering in order to be able to gain forgiveness for them. Others, it's just okay to have Yom Kippur. It's this major event that through undergoing Yom Kippur one actually receives a certain amount of atonement. That's why it's called the Day of Atonement, because through Yom Kippur, one actually becomes atoned for one's sins. Death is also a great atonement, and then going to hell for a certain period of time is another part of atonement. One of the interesting things that Reb Chaim Bittal says is that if you haven't actually repented before you die, you can actually get into serious trouble. You can... That's when hell and damnation or eternal hell and damnation takes place. So part of his book is really somewhat of a positive message. He says that there are all these different texts and ideas about repentance which are spread all over rabbinic texts, and it's really hard to figure out what's really going on. So he tries to lay it out. But part of that positive message is at the end of the book where he says, yes, as long as you seek forgiveness and you repent before you die you are not going to go to hell and damnation forever but an eternal hell and damnation could occur if you don't repent so that's why he wants to explain this and part of repentance is making amends but how do you know that you fully repented how do you know that repentance is done so he has a really practical idea behind that and that is that if you are able to go back to the scene of the original sin that you did and you're no longer enticed by it, that means you've now overcome it. In other words, you've grown that moral core to the degree that you can now show up to that same scene of the crime, that same temptation which really tempted you and caused you to sin previously, and now you're no longer tempted to sin, you no longer fall into that trap, That means that you've now become a better person. You've strengthened your moral core, if you like, and that is what repentance is all about. And how do you know that you've repented? When you're able to go back to that same situation and not act in the same way, that means that you've changed as a person and you've repented and your repentance is accepted. If you've sinned towards another human being, you can't just do your internal work. You actually have to seek forgiveness from that other human being. So you have to go and make amends for that other human being. And he mentions, and this is found in other texts as well, that you go and you ask repentance a number of times, and if that person doesn't give you forgiveness after a number of times, then it's on that individual. But you have to go and ask for forgiveness. And that's why before Yom Kippur and before Rosh Hashanah, a lot of people have this custom that they go around and ask other people for forgiveness. Do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? Anything I may have done, and I'll ask anyone... In this podcast, if there's anything I've said that's offended anyone, uh, I ask for forgiveness. I have not in any way intended to offend anyone in this podcast. If I have said anything that's been offensive, I ask for forgiveness. That has not all to been my intention. But that is something which you do before Rosh Hashanah, before Yom Kippur. You go and ask for forgiveness because that's what part of penitence is. The other idea here, which I think is really important, is Rebbe Vital talks very much about this idea that you need to be, have developed strong moral character before you can study these deeper wisdoms. So that's another reason why he wrote the book. He's like, I've written the Eitz Chaim, the Tree of Life, which are all about divine wisdom, what he calls Chochmas Emes or Chokhmah Ha'emet, that he's written books about divine understanding but if you haven't developed that correct moral character, if you are a sinner, if you don't have what he calls fear of God, so that you don't sin, then you're never going to be able to fully understand the Chamat Ha'emet, this true wisdom. And therefore, he wants to give you a guide to become a better and more wholesome moral character, a person with what he calls a fear of God. And that way, you will be able to appreciate his other works the Chokhmah the true wisdom which he thinks is contained in the Derachaim, sorry, in the Chaim and his other works on Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah. So this is an overview on penitence, repentance, and seeking forgiveness, and becoming a better moral character. What is the takeaway here? What is the I think you can take from here? and the practical elements, because there are some really good practical nuggets that you can take for your life, even if you don't buy into the whole heaven and hell thing. The way I understand his heaven and hell thing is really, it's a way in which you can motivate yourself to be fearful of sinning. I think inherent in this whole idea of heaven and hell is this question of why should I live a positively moral life. Why shouldn't I sin? And if there are no punishments for sinning, then maybe I should just live a life of sin. Interestingly, if you look at the Torah itself, if you look, we just read in the last number of weeks of the Torah portion, where it talks about all the punishments that can occur to the human being, none of them are meted out in hell. The five books of Moses does not have a posthumous hell is eschatology is not about what happens after you die and the hellfire and fury, which can take place and the hell and damnation and eternal damnation that you can end up having if you sin and do not repent. As a matter of fact, if you look in Nitzavim, it talks about a very physical in world consequence for having sinned. When the Israelites end up entering into the land of Israel and if they sin and they do not listen to God, then the land will eventually eject them and all these terrible things will happen to them. And then eventually they will return to God and God will circumcise their heart, it says that their hearts will become circumcised and they will get closer to God and then God will then welcome them back into the land and they'll have plenty, etc. But the idea of the consequences are physical consequences that take place rather than one in a hell. But what happens when all these physical consequences have happened and when they're not immediate? Well, one of the ways to motivate people is to say there are other consequences that can take place, and that's after you die. So the whole hell idea is really, I think, used as a tool to motivate people not to sin and to actually bring the consequences much more realistically to them that could happen to them personally after they die. So let's put that aside for a moment because there are other reasons and much more compelling reasons, in my view, to live a moral and ethical life. And that is because it's just more wholesome that way. Now, the question is, what is moral and ethics? What is morality and ethics, and who is the arbiter of that? So there people who are committed to Judaism and committed to the Torah are going to say that comes from the Torah. But wherever you take your moral and ethics from, there are moral and ethical ideas that one can live by Wherever you want to take them from. And it is clear, Contra Buchanan Vital, that if you haven't studied ethics and you haven't studied what is moral, you're not going to have an ability to be able to make the right choices. And I think this is really borne out in practicality. Every single company will try and train its employees on moral and ethical behavior because if its employees are not moral and ethical, they can end up making bad choices, which could redound very poorly on the company and can get the company into really big trouble. So every company will have moral and ethic training in order to be able to help people make a decision between what's right and what's wrong. So training is actually really important because humans do not necessarily have on their own a moral compass sometimes their moral compass is wrong. So you do need this outside influence of understanding what is ethical and what is moral in order to be able to make the right choices. Whether it's a study of the Torah or study of other types of texts, it is really paramount that humans actually care about what is moral and what is ethical and study that so they know how to behave. Now, there are always, I think this is, whether it's a, a neurological thing or whether it's according to Chaim Vital, it's a soul thing, it is an observation and a very fine and true observation that we are influenced in two different ways. We're pulled in directions of the positive and in directions of the negative. We sometimes are enticed to act in a morally questionable way. And an ethical core is like a muscle in many ways. And I think this is where Chaim Vital is very insightful here that the idea of smashing that thought, the immoral thought on the head it's because what you're doing every time you do that is you're strengthening your moral and ethical muscle making the right choice overcoming one's desire to act in a way which is not in line with moral and ethical truths is something which is like a muscle you need to strengthen it so that when you are tempted you're able to overcome it easily and the more you strengthen it, the more you fight against that urge, the more you become a stronger moral and ethical person, that muscle of morality and ethics is strengthened and then next time when you are tempted you're able to overcome it again and so this is i think an observation which is borne out by reality and a lot of humans lived experience so it's really important to be able to understand what's going on the influences one has to be able to study morality and ethics in order to understand how to actually behave and then in practice when one is tempted to act in a way which is not in line with the morals and ethics that we know we we can overcome it and not pursue that line of thought. So, I think this is applicable to everybody, not just the religious person and the seeker. The other thing is, a lot of us are seeking higher knowledge, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are seeking higher knowledge. So, that really interesting insight that it's really difficult to gain true higher knowledge unless you're a moral person. And this is in line, in many ways, with Maimonides. Maimonides also thinks that the whole idea of the Torah and the mitzvot, the commandments, are in order to inculcate within the person the correct beliefs and opinions. Because without the correct beliefs and opinions, it's impossible to actually gain this kind of higher level of knowledge, metaphysical knowledge and divine knowledge. It's just impossible. So you need to be a moral and ethical person first. And this is... One of the themes of the book that you need to be able to work on yourself and become this intensely ethical and moral character and grow that ethical and moral spine in order to be able to gain the next levels of understanding and to get the true wisdom. You're not gonna get it, you're not gonna get certainly not divine wisdom, unless you first purify yourself in a moral and ethical way. So There's a bunch of steps here on how to behave. It's the psychological aspect, understanding of self, understanding the different influences, understanding how to gain the knowledge to be able to make the correct decisions in life so one isn't tempted. And it could be if you don't know, you haven't studied, then you could end up doing something totally unethical without ever knowing. So you need to study morality and ethics whether it's from the Torah or other kind of ethical texts in order to know how to behave, then you need to strengthen that inner core, that ethical muscle that one has, so that one is able to overcome it. And when one falls down, one is able to then make amends. And then how does one know that one's actually strengthened the muscle? Because you get to that situation, again, of a similar temptation. You're able to overcome it. Now you've strengthened it. That is the idea of repentance. And then once you have that, now you are able to access to emet, the true wisdom, you're able to go to the next level and gain that next level of intellectual illumination or intellectual enlightenment, if you like, which having a moral and ethical core is a prerequisite. So this is, I think, a very practical book in many ways if you're able to take away some of the, what you might call superstition and the enchantment from it, it is actually a very, practical guide of how to live your life in a moral and ethical way and how to be able to access Emet, the true wisdom so this has been a review of this book called Der from Rabbi Chaim Vital written in the 1500s and I think it's an interesting book and very practical also for right before Rosh Hashanah where we seek forgiveness where we try to become a better person where we try to grow spiritually and morally and ethically and become that better person so that we can access Emet, the true wisdom and really self-actualize what we can really be as humans which isn't just obviously the physical and the material gains that we have in life obviously none of that but it really is to be able to reach Ahmet. And that can only be done when one purifies oneself in a moral and ethical manner, first and foremost. And this book is really instructive and helpful for that. And I'm very glad to have been able to share it with you here on the podcast before Rosh Hashanah. That leaves me to wish you, my listeners, a very happy and sweet and meaningful Rosh Hashanah and a wonderful 5784 Tovshin Pei Dalet. May you be blessed you and your family and all of yours with a year of growth a year of fulfillment a year of self-actualization a year of health and a year that you should not have any of the worries that would cause you not to be able to excel in that which you were born to excel in L'shana tova. סיבה וחסים הטבע, שנה טבע המסוגה.